Amen. Good morning, Sabbath. Morning. We're going to move into our worship service. Hallelujah. We're going to open up with a word of prayer. Of course, we're going to have a couple of devotional songs, and then we're going to do our uh, praise and worship, and then Pastor's going to bring forth the word. Amen. Uh, I'm glad for all of y'all who's out there who's joining us on Facebook Live. Don't hesitate to invite others. Uh, if you got a uh, Want to host a, a watch party going to host a watch party that way the word can be reached to more people. Amen. 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 Father God, the Lord has said, I am the Lord. Father God, we come to you once more, Father God, just say thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for this day, Father God. We thank you, Lord, for your Sabbath day, a day that you blessed and set aside from the beginning, Father God. We thank you, Lord, that we can uh, take advantage of technology, Father God, that we can still. Uh, Give you all the praise and all your worship, Father God, through uh, Facebook Live and through uh, the Anchor uh, Podcast. Father God, we uh, thank you, Lord, for uh, each and every one that decided to join us this morning, Father God, and take time out of their busy lives, Father God. We thank you, Lord, for the traveling person we got here today, Father God. We thank you, Lord, that uh, we still abide, Father God, by uh, uh, what the, what the uh, government has set for, Father God, that social distancing, Father God. We thank you, Lord, for... Uh, uh, that we can able to uh, just to praise and worship you, Father God. We ask God to bless Pastor T.P. for the word, Father God. We ask God to use the Father God. And we ask God to the, the words that come forward, Father God, the words of encouragement, Father God, words of uh, that's going to continue to keep us moving forward, Father God, during a uh, difficult time for some, Father God. And Father God, we know, Father God, that you still have in control of everything, Father God. So, Father God, we want to just give you thank you, Father God, for it all. And we thank God to you on this afternoon. Give the praise for Amen. Amen.
Amen. It's another awesome opportunity, an awesome privilege to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. And I am excited, I'm ecstatic that we can still come and praise God. Hallelujah. Even when conditions are not conducive. I thank God that he put it in our hearts and minds to be able to be flexible enough to be able to know uh, other ways to be able to reach people. Not to be stuck in a box, just knowing how to have church service. Every now and then we need to learn how to praise and worship God in different ways. And sometimes we get comfortable doing what we know what to do. But sometimes when you don't know what to do, that's what wisdom is. Wisdom is knowing what to do when you don't know what to do. So I thank God that he put it on our hearts and minds to uh, be able to use the technology that he has made available that we would be able to come before him and not just uh, have the people to be scattered. Because I want a lot of uh, pastors to listen to me right now. If you are under the mindset of not having any type of service for your people, uh, you won't bring them together corporately, which I do think that is the right choice. Let's not come together all as one and, and continue to pass this infection. But there are some pastors who've decided not to have no services at all until this thing is over. And the danger with that is we don't know when it's gonna be over. And leaving the people without a word of encouragement, leaving the people without time to praise and worship God would have them to be scattered. And we know what happens to sheep when they get scattered. When a sheep is left all alone, that's when the devourer comes in to devour. So let us find new uh, ways to be able to get the word of God to his people so that they may not lose hope. And I come before you today with the word from on high. There is a word from the Lord. And I want to use for subject this morning as we get started my hiding place. And I wanted to make it personal and, 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 and I want you to even think of it personally for yourself. Come on, say my hiding place. Because every now and then when things are going wrong in life, when things seem like they're falling apart, when you're in pain, when you're confused in your mind, when you're struggling, sometimes we just need to get away and Every now and then when you need to get away and get into your own hiding spot, uh, you don't really want even your best friend with you. And sometimes you need to just get alone where you might not even want your spouse with you. And every now and then we need to get alone where we may not even want our kids around. Sometimes you just need to get into your hiding spot. Come on, somebody say my hiding place. And it has become painfully obvious to me that some people tend to read the Bible but then fail to transfer or correlate the examples that the Bible gives into our own everyday lives. People tend to forget that it was many, many times when the people of God couldn't fellowship together. Remember when Paul and Silas was going around talking about Jesus. And they were told not to teach on Jesus. They weren't told to stop talking, period. They were just told to stop teaching about this Jesus. And they wound up in jail. People during that time period in the Roman society could not serve and praise and worship God freely like they were taught to. Remember during Alexander the Great's time, his time of, uh, his government that was formed was called Hellenization. And during Hellenization, if you were caught what was called at that time Judaizing, 
We would call it these days Christianizing. If you were caught doing anything pertaining to God, you would either be put in prison or maybe even killed. Remember the Holocaust under that tyrannical leader, Adolf Hitler. The people of God could not freely praise and worship him in fellowship together publicly. So there have been many times when the people of God couldn't fellowship freely. They had to come up with new ways to stay in God. Well, today we have to do the same thing, church. So to all the pastors that are still bringing people together in large groups, sometimes we get so stuck in a box to where all we know how to do is have church service. To have people to come in one location under one building like the building is the church. But I want you to know that if we would take these four people that we have here today uh, and we would go out into the middle of Proctor Street, the middle of Proctor would become the church because that's where God's ecclesia or his called out ones are. So it's not the people I'm sorry, five people. It's not the people that make up the church. I'm sorry, it's not the building that makes up the church. It's the people. How many of you remember the time when Jesus said to the woman at the well that there is coming a day when you won't be able to worship on this mountain nor in the temple? And I would submit to you this morning that that day is now. But he said that he's, God is looking for those who would be able to worship him in spirit and in truth. And bringing the people together in different ways would be able to show God how sincere that our worship is. I remember Paul wrote that there would neither be height, nor depth, nor powers, nor principalities, or anything that would be able to separate us from the love of God. There are some people that's hurting right now because they can't make it to church. But I want you to know today that every now and then when the people can't come to the building, that the church can still go to them. So I thank God for this avenue of the WWW, the World Wide Web, the internet. And I think that it's okay for us to use it because I remember Jesus said that the end would come when this gospel has been preached throughout all the world. And what a better way to get the word throughout the entire world than the WWW, the World Wide Web. So there have been times when the church had to hide. And I don't know about you, but times like these can make you a little scared. Times like these can make us a little anxious and a little apprehensive. I've been to a war. I had the privilege to serve my country in the United States Army and I was shipped off to Saudi Arabia to fight in the first Gulf War. So I know what it feels like once we were moved into Iraq. I, I know what it feels like to be scared. I know what it feels like with bombs going on all around you. I know what it feels like when your friends are coming into the battalion aid station wounded. I know what it feels like to sleep at night worried if you were going to wake up in the morning. I know what it feels like to wonder if you're going to ever see your family again. I know what it feels like to be scared. 
times like this we feel a little jaded, a little shaded, and a little played. I don't know about you, but if you've ever been sick, sometimes when we're sick and in pain, we just want to be left alone. I don't know if you've ever been in front of a crowd and you made a mistake and you were booed off stage. That type of pain, that type of embarrassment would make you want to go somewhere in solitude and secrecy and just hide for a little while. But when I'm afflicted, like most human beings and most animals, when we are afflicted, we seek a hiding place, a shelter, a place of refuge. And I want to use today as my evidence, Psalms 91, my hiding place. Psalms, although there's 150 songs, the book of Psalms is actually broken down into five books. And these five sections that Psalms is broken down into, they correspond with Moses' first five books of instructions, which we have erroneously called the book of the laws. They're not actually books of laws, they're books of instruction. And Moses wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And this, these 150 songs are broken down into five books. Psalms 1 through 41 represents the book of Genesis. That's called book one in Psalms. Book two represents the book of Exodus, which is uh, Psalm 42 through 72. Book three represents the book of Leviticus, which is represented in Psalm 73 through 89. The section that I'm gonna be dealing with today is section four, which represents the book of Numbers, which is Psalm 90, through 106. And then that final and last book is book five, which represents Moses' book of instruction of Deuteronomy, which is Psalm 107 to 150. But I want us to look at uh, Psalm 91 today and in the initial teaching, I want to bring out the fact that all songs were not written by David. There's a misconception that David penned all the songs, but the song that I'm going to be dealing with today, Psalm 91 and Psalm 90, were actually written by Moses. And this fourth book of Psalm is a catalog of the 40-year travail of God's people through the wilderness. Moses penned this pericope to comfort Israel as they lived out their lives in the wilderness. And we got to realize something about Israel being in the wilderness. They were still God's anointed people. They were still a people blessed by God. They were still God's special people, but they were in the wilderness. And when we look at this word wilderness, we see that this word wilderness means a dry place. It means a barren place. Some might even call it a desert. And with Psalm 90 and Psalm 91, Moses is reverencing God for being his and the people of Israel, and I'll even say us today, 
Moses is reverencing God for being our all in all in time of trial. That 91st Psalm starts off by saying, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High. He. Moses starts off by making it general to everybody. The Bible says for all those that are willing, let them come. And that's what I love about God is God is all accepting. He's all inclusive. You just have to be willing to come to God. The writer of Hebrews said, first of all, we must believe that God is. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So Moses starts off this 91st Psalm with a universal invitation. He says, for he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High. Anybody can dwell there. You just have to be willing to accept Yeshua HaMashiach as your personal Savior. I know that there's many religions all over the world, but God has chosen me to be part of the Christian religion. And in the Christian religion, we believe that the only way to come to God is through his son, Yeshua HaMashiach. So Moses is saying, anybody that is willing to dwell in the secret place, the hiding place, this word secret comes from the Hebrew word setah, which is a covering or a hiding place. And he says that if we would make ourselves to dwell in God's secret depth dwelling place, if we would sit there, if we would stake our claim there, if we would make our homestead there, that if we would live in God and live in the shadow of the Almighty. But then we get to verse 2 and he makes it personal. He says, I will say to the Lord. And every now and then it's good for us to come together corporately. But every now and then you need to have a personal testimony for the Lord. Moses said in that second verse, he says, I will say to the Lord that he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. Moses admitted that there's four things that God is. He says, God is my refuge. God is my fortress. God is true and faithful. And he's trustworthy. Hallelujah. The third verse, he says, surely he shall deliver me from the snare of the flower and from the noise of pestilence. And he called it the snare of the flower because a flower is beautiful. A flower has a nice fragrance. A flower is attractive. And this is how things catch us in our life because the enemy presents things to us as beautiful with a great fragrance and something that we might like. So it, it, it lures us in. But how many of you know that before it can lure us in, that God will deliver us? Hallelujah. And what we're dealing with right now with coronavirus. Down here in Southeast Texas, we're dealing with all type of insects. These pestilence, these things that carry diseases. Children of God have no fear. The psalmist said that God shall deliver us from them all. I remember reading somewhere it says many are the afflictions of the righteous. But God will deliver us from them all. Verse 4 says he shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shall thy trust 
this truth shall be our shield and our buckler. God is my shield. Whenever I get myself in trouble, yes, I said it, whenever we get ourselves in trouble, God is our shield. Whenever people are out there uh, throwing and, and the enemy is out there throwing those fiery darts at us, the Bible says that God is our shield. And I'm glad that God is my shield. Because there are some things out there in the world, some people out there in the world trying to attack me. And sometimes it's unbeknown unto me and every now and then when you under attack, you don't even know folk trying to attack you. But that's the good thing about God, is that God knows our enemies even when we don't. And when our enemies, whether it come in the form of a disease or a person, whenever something is trying to attack us, God stands in between them and us. God is our shield and our buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flies by the day, nor for the pestilence that walk in darkness, nor for the destruction that wastes at midnight. Look at verse 7, he says, a thousand shall fall at thy side. Are you worried about the corona numbers? Are you looking at the numbers rise every day? Folk are dying all around us. But he says that we don't have to worry because a thousand might fall at our side and 10,000 at our right hand side. He says, but it shall not come upon us. Hallelujah. You got a promise, a protective promise from God. No matter what's going on out there in the world, Children of God, I want you to know today that you have a covering over you. I want you to understand the process of what's going on in heaven right now. God is not in heaven working right now. God is sitting on the throne. All of God's creative work is finished. Even Jesus on the cross said, Telestai. He said, it is finished. So God and the Son are up in heaven. The Bible says that God is sitting on the throne and Jesus is sitting at his right hand. And anytime we are under attack, whether it be by people, whether it be by disease or pestilence, I want you to understand that when we are under attack, Jesus leans over and he says to the Father, Look down there, that's one of our children. Can't you see my blood on them right now? And God is obligated, somebody say obligated. God is obligated to take care of his children. Just like a good parent that you are, you feel obligated to take care of your children. If a bully is bullying your baby, you feel obligated to protect your child. If things going on at school, you feel obligated to run down there to the school to make sure some teacher is not abusing your child. As a good parent, we feel obligated to take care of our babies. I want you to know that God is the same way God is the ultimate parent. When we start our prayer, we say our father, which is implying that you must be the child. So God is a good parent. God, our father, is a good daddy. And he's not going to let no demon, no devil, no disease hurt or harm his children. Somebody need to say amen. In verse 8 he says, only with thy eyes shall thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is Moses' refuge, he says, even the Most High shall be my habitation. There shall no evil befall me, 
neither shall any plague come upon my house. Not only am I protected, my house is protected. Somebody should have shouted right there because they got some folk living in our homes that don't want to serve God. But thank God they living under your roof because as long as they living in your house, nothing can come nigh unto them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So as long as we have God on our side, no plague can enter into our dwelling. It says, for he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. How many of you remember the devil tried to quote that scripture to Jesus? He says that Jesus, if you just jump off this mountain, God is going to allow his angels to come and protect you that you would not dash your feet. But Jesus said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. God is our protector. Verse 12 says, Thou shalt bear thee up in thy hand, lest thou dash thy foot against the stone. Verse 13, Thou shalt tread upon lion and adder, and a young lion and a dragon shall not trample on thy feet, because he has set his love upon me. I read all that to get to this part. Somebody needs to understand that God loves me. Yes, I know I ain't no good. I'm a sinner. I'm a liar. I'm a cheater. Some of us committing adultery. Some of us playing around in the dope house. Some of us playing around in the whole house. I want you to understand that it's not your actions is the reason that God loves you. God loves us because we said yes to his son. God loves us because we're living our life for him. God loves us because we're bold enough to come into the sanctuary and admit that we have faults. God loves us. He says that if we confess our faults one to another, that he is faithful and just and will forgive us all of our sins. He didn't say if you didn't have no sins that he would love you. He said that if you would be faithful and if that you would confess your sins and your faults one to another, then he would forgive us of our sins. Hallelujah. So if you got something going on in your life, and I shouldn't have said if, because all of us do. Let me rephrase that. Since we got stuff going on in our lives, somebody need to be bold enough to stand up and say, Lord, I need you on my side. I can't handle this alcoholism. I can't handle this drug abuse. I can't handle this sex addiction. Lord, I need you on my side. Can somebody honestly come before God today? Open up your life. Let God in. Quit trying to hide your secrets in your heart. You got to open up your heart to God. Fall on your knees. Begin to pray toward heaven and tell God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm doing wrong. But God, I need you in my life. And I remember reading that Jesus said, all ye that labor and are heaven laden. He said, come unto me and I will give you rest unto your soul. Peter said, cast your cares upon Jesus because he cares for you. Why? Because we have an enemy, an adversary, who's walking around like a real lion, seeking someone that he may devour. John called him in Revelations. He called him the serpent and a dragon. He called him the devil and Satan. But John gives us words of encouragement in his first epistle. He said that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. So if the enemy is trying to put any works in your life, I want you to be confident today that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. If the devil is trying to kill you with alcohol, 
Jesus came to break alcoholism. If the devil is trying to kill you with homosexuality, Jesus came to break homosexuality. If the devil is trying to kill you with drug abuse, Jesus came to destroy drug abuse. If the devil is trying to kill you with lying and cheating, I want you to know that Jesus came to destroy lying and cheating. Any work of the devil, the Bible says the devil came to kill, steal, and destroy. But I want you to know that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. The devil ain't got no power over you until you give it to him. The devil, remember in Job, the devil had to go get permission to mess with Job. And we ain't no different than Job. God loves us with an everlasting love. And the devil got to go get permission to mess with God's children. But I want you to understand today that God has covered me in the blood of Jesus. God has filled me up with the Holy Ghost living on the inside. Oh yeah, don't forget, we've been given the indwelling power of the Holy Ghost. So Corona, you got to step back. You have no place in my life. I rebuke coronavirus right now in the name of Jesus. And as long as I'm in God, I got a secret place. A place where no demon, where no devil, no disease, no disaster can find me as long as I'm hiding in God. As long as I make God my refuge, nobody can touch me. As long as I'm in Christ, I'm protected by the blood of Jesus. I want you to know that the blood, it still has power. The blood will never lose its power. Power to heal. The blood has power to deliver. The blood has power to save. The blood has power to set me free. So those who are in Christ, you've been set free. And they tell me if Christ set you free, that you are free indeed. So no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Sometimes you might have to ignore the weapon. Sometimes you might have to stand up against the weapon. But every now and then, you got to run and hide from the weapon. And right now, the weapon is Corona. So it ain't nothing wrong with staying in your house. You got to learn that every now and then, ain't nothing wrong with hiding from the weapon. God hid Jesus from the weapon called Herod. He told Joseph to take him down to Egypt and hide him down there in Egypt land. God hid Jesus in plain sight when the crowds wanted to kill him. But I want you to understand that God hid Jesus in a borrowed tomb while Jesus went down to get the keys from Satan. And God is hiding Jesus right now at his right hand side. But there is a day coming when Jesus will return to this earth. And he's coming back with a church without spot or wrinkle. So it's okay to hide as long as you hiding in the Father. It's okay to hide as long as you hiding in Jesus. I know as long as I'm in Jesus, I got protection. As long as I'm in Jesus, I got salvation. As long as I'm in Jesus, I can't catch Corona. Corona will bounce off me because the Holy Spirit is my sign. The Holy Spirit is my shield. The Holy Spirit is my anointing. And as long as I trust in God, I know that everything is going to be all right. I remember a time when the three Hebrew boys were thrown in the fiery furnace. And the king said, you got to bow down to me. Now I want you to check out what the three Hebrew boys said. They said, oh king, our God will deliver us. But that wasn't the most exciting part. 
The three Hebrew boys loved and trust God so much, they said that even if he don't deliver us out of this fire, King, we still won't bow down to you. So I want coronavirus to know some of us that love God, we might even catch coronavirus. Some of us that love the Lord, we might even get sick. But I want you to know that in your sickness, that God is going to heal you. He said, I am the God that heals you. I am the God of a holy people, a peculiar nation, a royal priesthood. So don't you worry about Corona. Corona ain't got nothing on God. God is strong. God is mighty. God is powerful. Who is the King of glory? Who is the Lord God Almighty? Who is the Lord God in battle? I'll shout his name. His name is Jesus. He's the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the bright and morning star, the great I am, the lily of the valley. His name, Yeshua HaMashiach. His name, Jesus Christ of Messiah. So don't worry that they so don't don't you. Because I know my God is able to deliver me from all sickness and disease, from all enemies and foes. So don't worry, children of God. Amen. God is able. Amen. We have to learn how to trust Him. And trusting in God is not just for the good times. We have to learn how to trust in God. Even during tumultuous times, during negative times, during times when we don't understand what's going on. Put your hand in the hand of the man who calms the wall. Put your hand in the hand of the man who calms the sea. Amen. Because he is able. He's been God from the beginning. And he's going to be God throughout eternity. May the Lord bless you. Real, real good. I want to say real quick. Passover is coming this week. This is the first Sabbath of the month where we would normally have our full communion service with uh, partaking of the emblems, foot washing, and a fellowship meal. But because of the coronavirus and us wanting to be able to uh, show our children the next generation that you cannot be disobedient to the laws of the land. Because I don't know if pastors realize it, that's what we're really saying. It was We're really telling the next generation that they don't have to listen. And we already have a, a big enough disobedience problem. We don't need disobedience coming from the pulpit. Now, of course, when they start handing out that mark of the beast, well, we're going to be disobedient. But the Bible encourages us, he says, uh, listen to our leaders, follow our leaders, those that we like and even those that we don't, knowing that we can trust in God. So we're going to be uh, having communion on the 8th that evening as the sun is going down. And I know we can't come together, so I'm going to ask all Sabbath rest members and all those who are willing that you would be prepared with a emblem of the body and one representative of the blood. And the Eucharist celebration, the communion celebration is all symbolic during our time anyway. We even have to pray over that little wafer that we're so accustomed to using. We have to pray that God would transform it into his divine purpose. That it may be looked upon as the body of Christ. And when I say that the body of Christ doing the communion and I say that the body of Christ has been broken, 
I don't mean uh, that the knees or any bones were broken because we know that the prophecy says that it wouldn't be. What I mean was the beating that he took. Commentators tell us that he was unrecognizable, that they beat him so bad. And we'll have a liquid on hand to pray that God would transform it into its divine purpose, that it may be representative of the blood of Christ, which has been spilled out for many. And he says, as often as we do it, do it in remembrance of him. So we will not let that observation of that holy day pass by. And I think Deacon did a good job doing Sabbath school explaining the difference between trying to keep the Passover as observing the Passover. Because when we look at God's feast in the Bible, it says that we should teach our children these things throughout all generations. So I really don't care uh, what anybody else got to say on it. I'm gonna stick with what the Bible say. And we're gonna teach here to observe. That means to read the story, to tell the children what God has done in history. And we're not trying to kill animals and drain blood and do all of that. What we're doing is keeping God's memories alive. And he, and he said in his word that we should teach our children this throughout all generations. So if you're able and willing, join us. Uh, I think the 8th is Tuesday uh, or Wednesday at sundown. We will be celebrating the Passover. May God bless you and keep you. May Jesus be the Lord and Savior of your life. And may you be filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. In Yeshua's holy name, amen. Amen.